um, just like before we start, I just wanted to ask you like what name we want you would want us to use to like describe you and also what pronouns you use. Uh, well, um, you can just call me Portia. Everyone does. It's the one name that I've been called for like the last 13 years. Okay. Um, as for my pronouns, I really don't care for pronouns. Like, honestly, like I am non-binary, but I just, you know. Word. All right. Well, um, okay. So I'm going to do this little like introduction thing and then we're going to get into it. Um, so this is Miles Marshall and Colette Meyer, and we are here interviewing Portia DeMarco Douglas in collaboration with the Colorado Springs LGBTQ plus oral history project. Um, so again, thank you so much. We're so excited. <laughs> um, and so I guess just to start off, um, what are like three or four words that you would use to describe yourself? Loud, passionate, and caring. Awesome. Um, and what motivated you to like agree to be a part of this project? Honestly, it just sounded interesting. And then I like working with youth. So I was like, you know what? It gives me a chance to meet new people. Um, well, speaking of youth, um, where are you from and what was your childhood like? I was born in Hawaii, raised in North Carolina. So North Carolina technically for me is my home. Um, I had a relatively normal childhood, I guess. Um, my father was military, my mom was a nurse. Um, yeah, it was kind of boring. Where in Hawaii? Honolulu. Okay. Um, do you still have like connections there and family there? I wish. Give me a reason to go back. But no. Um, I think, no. Actually, I might have one friend who's currently stationed there. But other than that, I don't really have any ties to Hawaii besides you know being born in the pink hospital mm -hmm. um so um what brought you to Colorado Springs um my dad got stationed here and then we lived here for I want to say about two maybe three years and then he retired and then I just decided to stay. And Colorado's been home ever since. Nice. So how old were you when you got here? Two thousand eight. Two thousand seven. So that would put me at. One, twenty-one. And you were in Hawaii the entire time before that. 
No, I was in North Carolina before I came here. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Well, so what was it that made you like decide to stay in Colorado Springs once you got here? Um, I wanted to change my essential, like what I consider like my normalcy. Because like being a military brat, I've been used to moving every couple of years. So for me, this is the longest place I've ever lived in my entire life. Like, it's like going on 13 years here. But then something about Colorado, I don't know, I just love it here. It's, don't get me wrong, the weather's kooky. But other than that, it's just, it's beautiful. Like, people come from ways around just to, you know, see what we wake up to on a daily basis. And it's just, it's calming here. Mm -hmm. um, are your parents still here? Slash, like, what is your relationship like with them now? I don't know. My parents left <laughs> when my dad uh, retired. My mom's in North Carolina with my older sister. And my dad is in Oklahoma. Okay. So I'm out here by myself. <laughs> Um, is so you mentioned an older sister. Mm -hmm. uh, are they like a still like a big part of your life? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> my sister is one of my uh, my biggest fans. Like, she came to my first drag show. She's still one of my biggest supporters. She's crazy. <laughs> In what ways? So my sister has a tendency to like, I, I could show her what I'm going to do. Oh, I'm going to perform this song and I want to do this makeup. I want to do this look. And then she just goes like overboard. Try it with this hair and these shoes and don't move your brush like this. Move your brush like that. Brush your hair like this. Do this. Hey, 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 hey. I'm the performer here. Let, let me let me do my thing. <laughs> but what about what about this? Okay, try this dance move. I saw it on TV. So, hey, hey, calm, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but she's amazing. Like I love her so much. Awesome. Um, do you have other siblings? I do have a half sister. Um, I her name's Brianna. I haven't. Well, we're not as close. But, you know, we're trying to reconnect because I also didn't really know about her until maybe six years ago. Okay. Um, like about her existence as your half-sister or just like didn't know her that well? Uh, didn't know her that well. Um, Like, we knew of each other, but didn't really have a way to reach out to each other. Mm. And then we found each other on Facebook. And it's one of those, like, when you, when you, when you, when you know someone's there, but it's hard to build that, that relationship with. 
just because you don't know them, but you feel like you're supposed to know them. That's how essentially our relationship is. Like, she knows I'm a performer. Um, She's married in the military. We know like little things about each other, but we're still trying to develop that family. Like you're my sister relationship per se. Um, like what is your like parents' attitude towards like you being like in drag and like performing and stuff? <laughs> um, I was more okay, so I was worried about my dad when I first started performing because. In my mind, my dad was gung-ho military man, you know, gur-gur-gur, alpha guy. I was nervous about him to find out that I did drag. Yeah, with him, I had nothing to worry about. <laughs> he was just like, I remember he, he first saw my picture. He's like, who's that? Uh, that's me. <laughs> And his response was, oh, okay. And that was our conversation. My mom was pretty much the same way. Like she saw a picture of me and she was like, oh, she's cute. Thanks mom. (laughs) But now like they both, my dad has been to my drag shows, my mom has seen my virtual drag shows. My mom still sends me ideas about trying different makeup styles. Like, was actually really good. Awesome. Um, well, kind of just like backing up a little bit, I just like want to know like what your like favorite, what are some of your just like favorite memories of childhood? Favorite memories of childhood. Uh, So when I lived in North Carolina, my best friend, still remember, like, his name was Johnny. And he lived across the street from me. Johnny and I are actually still friends today. Now, mind you, I moved to North Carolina when I was, like, five. And me and Johnny are still friends today, and I'm 32. So, like, he has always been a part of my life. Like, he knows I'm a drag queen. He knows that I'm, you know, and he pretty much knows everything about me. And he is my favorite memory of childhood. Because, like, all, every, every experience, every good ups, downs, left, rights, and sideways, he has always been there for me. I miss that boy. He's annoying. But he was probably the best part of my childhood, my best memory. Awesome. And he's still in North Carolina? Yeah. He just lives in a different city. He's never left. Where in North Carolina did he live? I lived in a little town called Spring Lake. But most people can't quite seem to remember where that is. So I usually just just tell people I lived in Fayetteville, which was like five minutes on the road. Um, 
Well, when you think back to like that time, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be like, as a kid growing up, I loved animals. I love animals. I liked learning about animals. So my biggest thing was I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Because I thought it was, when I was a kid, my thought process was I get to save animals and, and I get to pet animals. I get to be surrounded by animals all day. Yeah, I, I I didn't know like the dirtier side of being a vet, you know, wounds and all of that. So I thought, oh wait, maybe 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 no. <laughs> and then it went from being a vet to I wanted to be a guidance counselor, which still kind of want to do today. Why is that? Because I like talking. (laughs) (laughs) And um, essentially, like, when I was in junior high, there was a guidance counselor. His name was Mr. Geo. And he helped me out tremendously. And helping me navigate life. And because he... Like, when I wanted to actually, like, come out to people, he was the one I came out to first. And he was just like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're good. And he just was that that voice of, like, you know, you can do this. Everything's going to be fine. And he was just an amazing, amazing freaking guidance counselor, which made me was like, I can help people because I like to talk. And I think I'm pretty good about getting giving advice. Awesome. Um, when, when did that happen? Like what, where were you and like what year was that? I was, I lived in New York at the time. And this was, God, I couldn't tell you a year off the top of my head. Just a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. My coming out was rough. The first person I came out to was my guy's guy, was Mr. Geo. And then was it went to two of my best friends. And yeah. So I didn't actually want to come out to my parents. I didn't actually want to let them know verbally. My thought process was if they know, they know, and, and you know, I'm okay. And that's honestly what I hoped for. I worked at a McDonald's right outside of West Point. And obviously I wasn't old enough to like buy like porn. So I had a coworker buy it for me. And me and my dad used to sit there and trade book bags because he had like the big military bag and I like, I just wanted it. So I knew I had to give it back. And so I put the movies in the book bag thinking, hey, he's going to see it. He's going to know. You know, really don't have to say anything. 
So, like, the next day, I, like, checked the bag to see if he saw it. And the movies are gone. So I was like, okay, great. Now it's out there. Now I don't have to say anything. A couple of days go by, no word at all. Um, my dad picked me up from work one day. And so we're just driving home. And he just looks at me. And I'm just like, oh, yep, we're about to have that conversation. And he just started out with, is there anything you want to tell me? No. Are you, are you sure there's nothing you want to tell me? No. No, I'm okay. No, nothing, nothing, nothing to report here. And he was just like, nothing about you? Nope. Because again, my thought process was, if you know, you know. I don't need to tell you. And then he was just like, are you gay? Like, yep. And he just goes, okay. And that was it. <laughs> Told my mom. That one didn't go over so well. So we get home. He goes upstairs. He, I know he went upstairs and told her. And I just remember my mom is in her my mom's in her bathroom. She's getting ready for a military ball. And so she calls me in. I know you know, it's like you put one and one together, you're like, yeah, one plus one equals two. Here we go. Here's round two. And so she calls me into her room, her bathroom as she's getting ready. She's doing her hair and her makeup. And she's like, there's a and she started the same way my dad did. Is there anything you want to tell me? Nope. Are you sure? Yep, nothing I want to tell you. Because again, if you know, you know. I feel like I don't have to talk about it. And then she was just like, just, just like my dad, and she's like, are you gay? And I was like, yeah. And then the, kind of, the conversation kind of turned south really fast. She told me that she still loved me, that she will always love me. But if I remember correctly, and I quote, I don't want none of that gay shit in my house. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. Which kind of like set me through a loop because like the, some of the friends that I had at the time were really flamboyant other gay guys. Like, and she loved them dearly. Like, they called her mom. And she called those her, called them her kids. So, it like, it kind of, like, took me by surprise, because I'm just like, mom, like, you, I thought you, I thought she would be the one who'd be like, you know, oh, yeah, it's cool. And that, honestly, like, from that day forward, that put, uh, put a big strain on our relationship. It actually wasn't until I lived here in Colorado by myself, I want to say maybe six years ago. Maybe six, maybe six years ago, five or six years ago. 
it was the first time that I heard my mom say, I love my gay son. And we were on in a, uh, we were on the phone and I was driving home from work. And like, we had been good. Like she knew how she knows I'm a drag queen. She, you know, she knew it all. Like everything, our dynamic got back to where it needed to be. But I had never heard her actually say those words. And then she, like one day just during a conversation she was like, yeah, I love my gay son. No, she's like, I swear to you, I almost crashed my car. And I was just like, um. And she's like, what? And I heard her, I was like, that's the first time I've ever heard you say that. And she's like, it is? Oh, I'm sorry. And I was just like, yeah, no, that's, that's a lot. And then emotions got involved and you know we kind of like boohooed on the phone for a second it was a good moment it was a great moment Hmm. um well that's you know a really happy ending (laughs) it's like really nice to hear um when when did you first come out to your parents like what how old were you want to say well like i always knew that i was different and it wasn't an action until like a couple years ago that i actually figured out what it was but because like i consider myself pansexual but i then i didn't know that even existed so i was like i'm just a gay guy blah 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 and i want to say like this was I was 15. It was 15 or 16. It was like, I was 15, 16 when I came out to my parents. Everyone else, yeah, I was like, hi, I'm gay. They're like, hi, we're cool. Like, everyone else knew before my parents did. Because I wasn't afraid to tell them. But mom and dad were like, Ugh. oh, hell, mom, dad, and sister. Sister didn't have a great response either. Really? Yeah. I told my sister, and she locked herself in a bathroom and cried for like an hour. And then came out of the bathroom like, can we go shopping? No. I don't want to go shopping. I'm not that kind of gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, memories. Yeah, um, I came out to my parents on my 16th birthday during like my like birthday dinner. Um, and my mom was like, I've always wanted a gay best friend. <laughs> I was like, Thanks. Know what this is, but like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. I, I, see, I like hearing stories like that. You're just like, Oh, yeah, they came out. And just, I, I, I love like when you see like kids coming out stories. And they're like, Mom, Dad, I'm gay. And I love how like some of the responses are like, okay, that doesn't answer what you want from the store. <laughs> yes. Like, I just love the, those kind of cards where it's just like nonchalant, just like, okay. <laughs> That's not what I asked you, but cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um well, 
so we read in an article about you um, that you were in JROTC when you were a kid and that also you cheerleaded. Um, so we just yep. wanted to ask about that and like what those experiences were like, especially like one going into the other, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I was a cheerleader when I was in high school, JROTC when I was in high school. And then became a cheer coach um, a little while after high school. Um, JROTC was a good time. Because I was gung-ho about joining the military. My, my dad was like, don't join. My, my dad had been in the military until he retired. He was in for like 20-some-odd years. And he was like all against me joining the military. He's like, don't do it. I mean, I see why now, but I, um, this is going to sound very weird to say, but I joined it because I wanted to wear a uniform. Pretty much like no other reason. I just wanted to wear a uniform. I, not going to lie, I thought they were cute. <laughs> I was like, give me a reason to look sophisticated. <laughs> And then I liked being, I like, I like going on trips. I like going places. That's part of the reason I joined a lot of things in high school. Cause I was like, oh, we get to go places if I join this team. Okay, JROTC, cheerleading, football. Yeah, like two of those things lasted over to the other one. But I like JROTC cause like it gave me, it gave me discipline. Because I, I was a rather wild child. And it gave me, like, a sense of belonging. But then I joined cheer. And it was, I'll say, like, an eye-opener for me. I would sit there and I felt like I could be myself. Because like my idea when I was a kid, my idea, my ideal was that since I was like, okay, I'm gay. And so I'm gonna be very feminine. Because I thought those two went hand in hand. Like I, cause like for me, like growing up, there wasn't really, you know, masculine gay role models. So I thought like every, gay guy was like uber feminine and so that's what I thought I had to be and then I was like well one of the most feminine things that anyone could do is cheer but then I realized that I was actually really really good at it and the next thing you know I did it all through high school I said I was a cheer coach for seven years Yeah, and for those people who say cheerleading is not a sport, cheerleading is most definitely a sport. You have to hold people who are literally your same weight in the air and throw people and catch them and not hurt yourself or them. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Cheer twice on Netflix because it's amazing. <laughs> but the, is that the one with the, the Great Whites? It's the... Um... 
the school in Texas. It's like a community college cheer team. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that one. It's really good. Um, well, so did, were you cheering in Colorado Springs? Yes. Well, partially. Yeah, I cheered at uh, Fountain Fort Carson. And then um, there was a, it, the team I coached was a Pop Warner team called the uh, Pop Warner War Dogs. And then I coached at Harrison High School. And then I volunteered coach at Sierra High School. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, what was the, like, do you feel like there was a connection between you doing cheer into, like, more, like, ballroom drag stuff? Yeah, I can, yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. My first drag performance, I did a lot of cheer moves. Because <laughs> I was like, ooh, cheer dance. It fits this song. So, like, a lot, like a lot of my, a couple of my first drag videos. Yeah, they look like a freaking cheer routine. <laughs> I mean, and it, it, it helped me because, like, I try to, because I, okay backtracking a little bit i am known as the dancing diva of southern colorado because i like to dance i like to kick flip splits death drops you name it i mostly land them correctly (laughs) but and i can honestly like i probably wouldn't be the entertainer i am today if i didn't do cheer like cheer gave me a a work ethic of drive to continue to like do things that no one else could and so like like the acrobatics like kicking over my kicking over my head type situation being able to do flips that no one else could do i'm just like you know i attributed all that to my cheer taught me that and it for me it went hand in hand and then now like getting older, I don't do as much kicking and flipping as I normally used to do, just because I'm like, uh, cheer injuries and wearing heels, like six inch, four inch heels for 13 years. Always, you know, yeah, it's just kind of taking a toll on, 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 my, on my little old body. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't do as much of it as I used to, but I can still kick and flip with the best of them. <laughs> I know. I've seen, I've seen your Instagram. Don't even worry. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the video where I jumped off the stage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I felt that one the next day. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um, well, just like yeah, I guess um, kind of you've already touched on this, but like, how did you find like your passion in drag? Okay, so funny story. I actually lost a bet, and that's how I became a drag queen. 
<laughs> so when I first got here, um, uh, when I first turned 18, Club Q was the first gay bar that I ever went to. And so I went not knowing what it was. And, you know, I was like, ooh, I can throw on people who, who are like me. And so I, I don't know why my mentality was the way it was. But I went and there was a drag show. And for some reason, I, I, I don't know why. But I was looking at these drag forms. I was like, oh, my God, these, these men in dresses, they're horrible. They're disgusting. Like, I really had a, a very, very, very negative connotation about what I thought of drag, like, about them. I, it, was, it was bad. Why is that? Uh, honestly, I, I still couldn't tell you today. Like, I was just like, like, it's horrible. This is bad. This is wrong. See, thinking about it, it's probably because I, I secretly wanted to do it, but I didn't want other people to know I wanted to do it, I guess. I don't know. Like, it was just, it was just bad. And I can honestly, like, I haven't quite figured that part out yet. But then, um, I befriended one of the queens because I met her, like, a, like later on that weekend. And we, like, hit it off, and me and her became really good friends. I didn't know she was a performer at the time. And so we're sitting there just chit-chatting, and she was like, oh, yeah, you've seen my show. You know who I am. And I was just like, it, you know, it was an awkward conversation there for a second. And then I remember we were watching... I think it was a football game. Can't remember, I can't remember who was playing, but but she was just like, if this team wins, you have to do drag. You have to get on stage, you have to perform. And I was like, you know what? Bet, let's go. Yeah, that game ended, I was not happy. <laughs> Because like I didn't know any, I I didn't know anything about drag. Didn't know what to wear. Didn't I? I yeah, it was not. Yeah. But then you know, I had to figure it out because like she booked me in this show, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. I just remember going home, going into my sister's closet, and finding her clothes. Yeah, I look like a hot, hot mess. I didn't like I like my, my makeup was gold eyeshadow, like all the way to my eyebrow, gold eyeshadow, like hooker red lipstick, and that was it on my face. There was no foundation, no highlight, no nothing. Like there I had this horrible, horrible um Dirty blonde, blonde wig that looked like it came out of a dryer. <laughs> I had on a blue, it was a cute blue dress, but this blue dress that came like right above, like mid thigh, that had like some little strappy cuts on the side, low cut. And then I was like, okay, so also, mind you, I wear a size 
1915 heel. I could not find heels to save my life. And then I just remember going to my sister's class. My sister, like, for, for a girl, she had, you know, bigger feet. So I, I just went into her closet and I tried on what we, what me and her called, you know, her little church heels. They're like, there's like little, just little white shoe with a little heel about that big. Um, with the, just like little, little white crisscrosses, like a little church heel. And so like, I was like, okay, I put them on and I was like, okay, well, now I knew why they fit, you know, open toe, open heel gives you two sizes in the front, two sizes in the back. And so I was like, okay, you know, don't get wrong. They, my feet still look huge. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to wear them. And next thing you know, yeah, I did a show and it was like second nature. Like I, I, I felt my Beyonce moment. And next thing you know, 13 years later, I'm still doing it. <laughs> um, you mentioned Club Q. Um, <laughs> that, like, your main, like, where you perform, like, how did you find Club Q? Um, just want to, like, know <laughs> space. Um, so, when I moved here, and, like I said, when I turned 18, I literally just googled gay bars that was that was my biggest thing I was like gay bars Colorado Springs Colorado and Club Q popped up Underground popped up Hide and Seek popped up and I think that was actually it that was it and so I was like I looked them, I looked them all up and I was like okay Hide and Seek is closed um, underground for some reason just didn't strike my fancy at the time and then I was like okay Club Q that's where I'm going and so like I said I went and from there the rest was history um, what like what is it about Club Q that you like like the space the community like what are all of those things like? Well, like right now, like Club Q has literally become a second home for me. Like I've known most of the people who've gone there, performed there, you know, just go and visit. I've known them now for literally some of them for 13 years. Like the current owner, I knew him before he even owned the bar when he was still a bartender. And that was 13 years ago. But, like, I love Club Q just because, like, it's, it, it's, it was home for a lot of us. It, was, it, it became that, that safe haven for us to go and express ourselves. But then now it's more or less for me. It's like it's, it is that sense of community. It is that sense of watching the next generation come in and being able to just live their live their authenticity and just be themselves and you know just just be them and like I said now that's 
that's what it is. That's what it is for me. It's it's home. Um, what is it like? You said so. It like now it's home, but like, has it always been like that? And like, how has the space changed? Like, the people that go there, you know, throughout your entire time there. I mean, it uh, wasn't always home. Like, it had always been a safe place, but it, you know, so I'm not gonna lie, it hasn't always been home for me. It, you know, because like, no matter like what group of people that you, you know, you interact with or you meet on a daily. You know, some people are, are, you know, are those bad eggs who just, you know, make you want to shy away from, like, a place or a person. And, you know, sometimes during, you know, like I said, no matter where you go, you have those people. And, you know, like you said, Club Key was the same. Like, some people go there, some people don't. But it's... Like I said, it's always been a safe place as well. Because there are some people there who, like, when I'm not gonna lie, when I first started, did make me feel uncomfortable going. And it wasn't the fault of Club Q. It was just the fault of people. You know, people are fallible. People make mistakes. And, you know, so there was a point in time where I did shy away from Club Q, went to a whole other bar. And... That was that. Like, the sense of community has always been there. It's just more or less, sometimes people just got the better of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so this, like, community, is this a community that you, like, met outside of the club and then, like, went there, like, with? Or is this, like, a community that you've met, like, through that space? Um, for me, it's a community I met through that space. Because, like I said, we when I went to Cup Q for the first time, like, I had still been new here, but I didn't know very many. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I didn't know very many other gay people. But then I went, and like I said, the first time I went there, it, it was just very inviting. Everyone was very, you know, welcoming. And then I saw drag queens, and then I was like, ugh, that's nasty. And then, like, everything just, you know, the ups and downs. But real, it's one of those I wouldn't change for the world. I wouldn't change any of the experiences that I've had due to Club Q. Like, I wouldn't change it for the world because, you know, it helped me become the person I am today. Like, I learned how to get a thicker skin being a being a drag queen there because drag queens are catty in the nicest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> drag queens, well, performers are catty. And then, you know, just people's experiences. We've, you know, like Club Q's been through a lot. We've but like the community that they have helped bring, I just think is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you work there? Um, as of right now, no. Um, more or less, like since COVID, you know, 
we've had to, you know, cut back on a lot of things. Like I said, right now we're operating as a restaurant. So right now, um, the performers who are performing right now, we are volunteer-based. Like, so we're literally just volunteering our time. Like I said, pre-COVID, oh yeah, I W2 the whole nine yards. But, you know, now it's just, we're all volunteer-based. We share tips. You know, just trying to entertain the masses and Make a make a couple coins in the process. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, what like outside of Club Q? Um. What have been your like favorite and least favorite things about living in this city? <sighs> Some of the best things that I've really, really enjoyed about living in Colorado have been. Okay, so I always have this running joke. I was like, okay, I'm fat. So I don't run. I don't like to exercise. But like, I actually really do like going hiking. And just being able to legit escape into the mountains have been some of the best experiences that I've ever had. Like the clarity, just being able to go and sit and be by yourself and just... And just zen out. I live for that's one thing. I I think that's probably the reason why I've stayed here. But as for the negatives, and I'm going to sound like a true Coloradan when I say this: tourists, go home, go home, go away, stop coming here. Because Lord knows, I love people. I love meeting people. I live for it. I love it. I love, not going to lie, I love hearing the sound of my own damn voice. But Lord, people, go away. Y'all make my commutes longer than what they have to be. Uh. (laughs) Especially like when weed was legal, like when it first became legal, and everybody from everywhere was like, hi, we're going to Colorado. Go away. Go away. Go, go. Bye. Just go, go somewhere else. Go find another state that has legal weed. <laughs> oh. Between that and I've been very active in a lot of things. Like I'm a huge advocate for, I, I was at the Black Lives Matter protest. I was at, well, pretty much any protest that has happened here in this city, I've been a part of. Uh, I've been there, you know, letting my, letting my free flag fly and sharing my opinions when people ask for them or when they don't. But, you know, uh, one of the other things that I can say, like, has been like a downfall for me about this, about this city. I thought when I first came here that everyone was welcoming, everyone is nice, and then true colors just kinda, you know, after you live somewhere for so long, you're just like, oh, yay. It was like, 
Yeah, when I moved here, I didn't know what the hell Focus on the Family was. Yeah. They were fun. Or, let's see, a couple months ago, was it, was it a couple months ago or was it last year? When, you know, um, Westboro Baptist Church decided to show up, they were fun too. They didn't like me very much, but yeah. I remember one situation with Westboro. Don't get me wrong. I feel like everyone has, you know, the right to use their voice in whatever they deem to be their truth. All for it. But I also feel like there is a way to position things. Like you can sit there and say, well, this ain't right all day. Okay, that's that's you, that's your belief. I I'm not here to change your belief. I am here more or less to like, hey, look, your speech is hurting people. And that was my 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 conflict with Westboro. Cause like they had like some of these young, they had like young teenagers out there protesting, saying some horrible, horrible things. And it's like a legit, I was able to talk to one of them and I was like, do you actually believe the rhetoric that is coming out of your mouth right now? Yeah, you're gay, you're going to hell, you're this, you're that. And I was like, you don't even know me. You don't know me, you know nothing about me. The only thing that you know is that I'm gay. Yeah, well, they said, okay, they said, cool. Now we're getting somewhere. What is your belief on it? What is your opinion on it? Well, um, I just, homosexuality is a sin. Dear, I'm gonna need you to read your Bible one more time. Cause in the Bible, it doesn't actually say that homosexuality is a sin. But continue, because if you want to talk about sins, let's talk about the fact that you're wearing clothes of two different materials. You, you know, eating shellfish on a Sunday. Like, let's, let's come on now. Like, let's actually go. And it's sad, because, like, you could tell, like, this kid was confused. Because, like, we had, like, a good, like, during, like, this whole chanting protest situation, like, me and this dude talked for, like, maybe 20 minutes. And I'm just like... you should really evaluate the things that you're doing now because when you get older and you look back on this, you don't want to see the person that I'm looking at right now. And he was just like, but you know, they say, they say like, okay, yeah, anyone can say anything, but what is your belief on it? How were you raised? Like, it, and me and this kid like just had a really long conversation, and it was it was. Like I said my goal wasn't to change his mind. It was more or less to change his thinking. Because it's not again, it's not my place to tell you yes that is wrong, yes that is right, because it's my truth. But I'm like, if I can help you change your thinking, so like, hey, look, look at it like this. Look at it this way. 
you know, at the end of the day, we're all people. We're all people. We have one life to live, one earth to be on. And that should be what it is. And the fact that you don't like me because I love who I love, like, don't think like that. Like, again, that was his mindset. And my goal was achieved. I, I you know, he left questioning things. And that was like, okay, my job's done. Because, again, I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to tell you whether you're wrong or right. If I can change your way of thinking, my job has been done. Or help you change your way of thinking. If you, if I can have you leave questioning, you know, not necessarily like the validity of your, of you know, of your mindset, but I'm good. I've, I've accomplished my goal. <laughs> um. Well, you mentioned that like you've always been participating in protests um, and just like social movements in Colorado Springs. So I was just wanted to like ask you more about like what it's like, you know, protesting in the city and especially at like LGBTQ social movements. Baby, it is scary. I'm not gonna lie. There has like all the protests that I have been a part of. I would be lying to you if I said that when I went, I wasn't scared. I was like, especially like, I was at the BLM movement. I've been at the BLM protest. And I honestly, like, that was probably the most scared I've ever been in my entire life. Just because of, you know, because before it happened, you know, you turn on the TV and just watch how things are going and watch how other cities are dealing with the protest. I was nervous. But then my thought process is If I can't get out there and go and, you know, and stand up and fight for what I believe to be right, I can't expect someone else to do it for me. It's my time to get out there. It's my time. You know, all, all of our elders and the past generations, they've done their fighting. It's time for this generation to get out here and start fighting. And that was my mentality. And when I tell you, like I said, I'm scared shitless. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can cuss. Apologize, <laughs> but I, like I said, I would be lying if I said that I was not scared. I mean, don't get me wrong. I knew what I was fighting for. I knew why I was protesting, but that underlying sense of fear, I can say, was always there. Like. Being shot with rubber bullets fucking hurts. Having people yell things back at you. Like, and because like, we were protesting and it was peaceful. Like, 
contrary to the media's portrayal of how a lot of the protests here in the Springs went, we were actually very, we were peaceful. We were not the aggressors. But again, the media spins things the way the media spins things. But having, like, I think, like, the, one of the biggest things that scared me, because like I said, being in, like I said, there are days where I would go in full drag after a show, be there, because the first night I went, I had literally just left the show, bright red hair, bright red dress, six-inch platforms. And, well, you know, when you get there and people are supporting you, it is one of the most amazing feelings ever. But then when you start walking past people who are yelling obscenities at you, slurs, the whole nine, that scared me. To see, like, the little militia groups that I, I didn't think were actually real. To see them in Colorado Springs with their guns, and I'm just like, oh, great. I might, and I'm not gonna lie, part of my thought process was I might potentially die. But then I was like, you know what? It's time. Like, the injustice in the world, again, I, I can't expect someone else to fight for me if I'm not willing to fight myself. And I'm not going to lie, there were some days where I, I, I told myself, yeah, you may not make it home today. And that's something that I had to be at peace with. Sucks to have to think about that, but it, what was what was needed? Um, are, is this like are you talking about like the most recent, like this summer of protests um, or just like all of your experience here in general, like doing um, this summer's protest. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, out of all the protests that I've been a part of, that one was, that was the scariest. Mm-hmm. That for me, it was just like, hey, well, you better, you better get right. You better get right mentally, because I I I would say it take it took a very strong a strong person to be out there to protest. Because, like I said, it was scary, and I knew a lot of people who were who were like, "We want to protest. We want to help protest." But they were like, we can't go out there. And I was like, you know what? I understand that. I will never fault somebody for, you know, not, you know, marching in the streets. I'm like, there are, there's more in my, in my biggest thing. And I, like I said, I had to tell people, I even had to tell some coworkers and whatnot. There's more than one way to protest. Being out there on the street does not mean that, you know, we are more active than you are. There would be, like, I had to tell people, like, hey, look, people providing water, snacks, you know, uh, solutions to clean your eyes, people providing, you know, safe spots for 
protesters to run to, you know, when shit went awry, like they are helping just as much as everyone else. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Um, and just having to remind people like there are other ways there are, there's more than one way yes the most active that people see are the people who obviously marching in the street but i'm like it takes so much more in my opinion to have a successful protest like we had people who were dead set on their thing was hey look we are have we provided we had bail money like I said, people are like, we are handing out food and drinks and snacks for you to stay hydrated. There are people who will walk around as medics. There are people walking around just, hey, yeah, come sit here, come rest for a second. You know, I'll keep you safe while you're here. And I was like, that, all of that right there encompasses a protest. Like, you, like I said, you don't have to be out there marching in the streets and Ah, oh. uh, good times. Good times. Good people. Good people. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just like curious, um, kind of like expanding on like your experience. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, who's this? Say hi, Carmen. Oh my goodness, that is such a tidy dog. Um, I guess what I'm interested in is like expanding just like this conversation to just like your experience, like on a day-to-day basis in this city. And just like, I don't know, you know, I've been here four years and it's just like, it's like overwhelmingly white and like incredibly heteronormative. Um, So just like, you know, what's it been like? Um, well, dear, you hit the nail on the head. Because it really is. Um, be like, I, I guess I'll say for like one of my points, like one of my experiences. Because like the one thing I always talk about is protest. Like that's something that, like I said, is big to me. But the one thing that I feel like people did not, don't get about issues that arise in our community, especially like LGBTQIA plus issues, is I can speak freely, right? Okay. I thought she's like, yes. <laughs> um, Like I said, I love our community. I love it. I I love being a part of it. I love seeing, you know, different people. But one of the biggest issues that I can honestly, like, it's not just Colorado Springs, but just an LGBTQIA plus issue is I can't stand and it irritates me to my core when issues for our community come up And people tend to not listen until you slap some blonde hair and blue eyes on it. And for me, that's irritating 
because like I said, for the years that I've been here and the years I've been active and the years I've been protesting, I've said the same thing, the same thing. And people are like, okay, yeah, that's nice. But then again, when, sorry, but a, a, a white person puts, you know, says what I say or said something similar to what I said, it's now that people want to listen. And I was like, I've said the same thing. I've been saying the same thing. Why is it that when, again, some blonde hair and blue eyes is like, oh my God, hi. No, no, no. And that's one thing that, like, that, that honestly just kills me. And it's part of the reason why a lot of, I would say like people of color feel like we don't have a voice. Cause like people don't listen. And then when we make people listen, we get called aggressive and thugs and we're this and we're that. And I'm just like, no, we're not. We're just tired of not being fucking heard. We're tired of not being heard. And cause I, there was a, an interview that I did also with Colorado College. I want to say last year. And I said the same thing that I'm saying now because it still holds true. Because, like, getting back to the BLM protest, having, and I, I've been a keynote speaker for protests here, protests in Denver, protests in other places. And I, I, I had to, you know, my biggest thing at first was, you know, thank everyone who's here. Thank everyone for being a part. Thank you, everyone, for being a voice. But then I, I felt the need that I had to say, you know, hey, to my white allies, thank you for being here. But also know the difference between speaking with people of color and speaking for people of color. Because at the end of the day, I don't need you to talk for me. I can talk to myself. If you want to talk with me, I'm down. I, I'm here for it. Let's show them that we are unified. But the moment that you start talking for me, it, in my eyes, it no longer becomes our, our conversation to have. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, it it just feels like it's we're we we like we still become that lessened voice, and and people don't get it. People don't under, some people like I said some people don't get it. Some people don't understand. And it's gotten to a point now of like, which I feel I shouldn't have to do. I feel like I shouldn't have to always educate somebody on what to do and what not to do. But then that still becomes an issue. And I can honestly, like I said, speaking for myself, I'm tired of it. It irritates me to my core. I should not have to educate somebody on, hey, don't do this. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't talk for me. And it's it, it, it become an issue to the point I'm just like, don't even ask. Mm 
just just down the, the, if it if you feel the need to ask me that question please just go away because there are many many an outlet there's many many a research tool go hell go ask jeeves shit but Ugh. Well, like I said, that's one issue that I, like I said, I do see here. But like I said, it's also just an LGBTQIA plus issue. Like I said, speak for some, like speaking for somebody is never okay. Like, because you will truly never know what that person's experiences are. Like, I can sit there and tell you, yes, I've done, I've been through X, Y, and Z. And then someone who doesn't actually know tries to talk about it. It's like you don't know how that person felt. They consider and tell you all day, yeah, I felt like this. This is how I handled this. Da, 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 da. But it's like for, to speak for somebody else, you will never actually know the full perspective. You, you'll never have that full feel of what it actually meant to that person. Like I said, I can tell you that I was angry, but you will never know the full anger of how I felt. I can tell you I was sad, but you will never get that full emotion of what I went through. And that's why, like, I had to tell people, like, like I said, speak with, not for. If you're going to approach it like this person, you know, went through this and da 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 da, cool, but like, it gets one of those, like, don't try to spearhead something that you don't actually have that background for. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> thank you for being honest and sharing. Um, we're like more than halfway through, so do you maybe want to take like a five minute break and then come back or like how, how are we all feeling? Sure, whatever, whatever's good for y'all. Okay, yeah, let's do that. We can just like turn our cameras off and then come back at like, yeah, in five minutes. I heard that. Okay. Hey Google, set an alarm for five minutes. Done, your alarm's set for 3.52 p.m. Yay. <laughs> All right, see you back here. <laughs> All right, see you in a bit.
Miles, your mic is still muted. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so that's like always so embarrassing. I don't know why. Um Okay, so also according to the same article, um wait, what was the nickname you gave you like used earlier to describe yourself? Like the dance? Uh the dancing diva of Southern Colorado. The dancing diva. That's a big name. And also an article that we read said that you're the queen of the springs. Um uh, so we just wanted to like ask you like how you feel about these names and like what it is like to have like that reputation in this city. Um so dancing diva, I I I hold that one with a like a badge of honor. Just cause when I first started performing, there was no one who performed like I did. Like, there was some similarities, but there wasn't another performer that danced the way I did. And when I would perform, I would, like, <laughs> I would do, like, you know, like, most performers, they, like, they'll give you, like, a fast, well, a fast song, a slow song, a, you know, so it's like, you know, that, that bop, you know, they, they would send you on that roller coaster. So when I first started, yeah, I didn't know that. And it took me years to actually like figure that out. Cause I was sit there and like, Ooh, high energy, high energy, dance number, dance number, dance number, dance number. And yeah, I'll say now it's, you know, kind of caught up with me cause um, I can't move like I used to. <laughs> But that kind of a whole like a badge of honor because I I appreciate it that people thought of me like that. Um, to be called the Queen of the Springs, that one makes me nervous. Just because, like, don't get me wrong, I like I said, I wear that one like a badge of honor too. But it makes me nervous because now it put in my eyes, it puts that expectation on me to like, hey, you can't have an off night. You have to be on it. You have to be kicking and flipping and splitting and all of this over and over and over, you, you know? <laughs> and there are times I'm just like, I'm tired. I, 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 Ooh, I'm worn out. Cause like I can say that like I've hurt myself from doing drag. I've <laughs> I've been sent to the hospital after shows. I have broken bones. I have I can legit say I have given blood, sweat, and tears to being a performer. And I still kind of do that now. But like I said, on a on a smaller scale, because I've come to the the realization that yes, performing is fun, it's entertaining, it's you know for me a form of therapy. But I also can't do that if I have you know a broken ankle, a messed up back, or you know 
because like I have asthma, so like breathing is not easy. And so it's like if I have all these problems, and you know they all like, oh hey, if I hurt myself, yeah, I can't do that anymore, or go as hard as I as I normally would. Like I said, so like I still wear you know Queen of Springs as a badge of honor, but that one like for me is like sets up too much expectation. Cause I'd rather someone come to a show, see me and enjoy me for what I gave. And I'd be like, Oh my God, Portia does all these flips and kicks and that and that and that. And then that's all they expect from me. Cause that's something that I've come across when I, cause you know, everyone wants a performer who's able to change things up, you know, you're a dancing queen. Can you do a ballad? Can you do, you know, alternative? Can you do that? And it got to the point to where for a while, when I first started that I would try new things and people actually got mad at me because I tried new things. No, you're the dancing diva. You, you need to do that. It's like, yeah, but my ankles hurt. My legs hurt. My back hurts. I, I, I kind of need to, slow it down, take a break. And some people just, you know, didn't get that for a while. <laughs> um, well, um, and you're in the House of Ninja, right? Yes, baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, well, what is that like? How did you get involved? So people actually don't realize that there are act- there's actually a whole house like there's actually a couple of houses, a couple of legendary Vogue houses here in Colorado. Like there's in Denver, they have the Mizrahis, they have uh, the House of Gucci Gorgeous. And here in the Springs, there's actually like a chapter of the House of Ninja. And they actually just came to a show one night and they were like, we like what you do. And like they told me who they were, and I was just like, "Ain't no ninjas here. This is Colorado." <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Oh, okay. Let us show you." And when I tell you that I just, oh, oh, they're not playing. Oh, they're real. Hi, yes, I would love to be in. But yeah, but they actually scouted me at a couple of my, a couple of the shows that I've done. And then like we sit, we sat, we talked. And the rest was history. Like we vibed and it was it's become one of the most amazing experiences cuz they like there is so much history that they pass on. Like, uh, it's just amazing. It's freaking amazing. Like what? Like, cause, cause most people like their introduction to ballroom was just like mine. Mine was Paris is Burning. And I was just like, okay, you know, watch that. And that's essentially what got me interested in ballroom. So I was like, okay, I've seen Paris is Burning, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, you know, I've watched Legendary, watched Pose, all of this. 
but to actually see how like actual houses are versus like you know how they like meet the teeth like movies and whatnot portray them and it's like that is so true like and when i say like history like they give you the like they legit give you the rundown like from willie ninja to now they can they can legit name everyone who's been a part of the house of ninja like they can tell you everyone and this not just talking about the u.s chapters talking about international they're like there's this person there's this person there's this person and it's just like and it's like once a week we have our family zoom call and so like it, it initially just starts with the chapter for here in the springs and then each week we talk to another chapter somewhere else just to see you know just to check on well family but then just to like exchange and meet each other like the one we just did um last week we talked to the chapter that's in florida damn that chapter is huge a lot of freaking people a lot of different personalities but the education and like we like trade like dance moves like we'll like like for the different categories that people like that people will walk, they'll sit there and like talk about their like talk about like different dance moves and different ways of performing. Uh, for me, it's like they want me to walk face, and I was like, okay, I can I can do a little you know a little spackle and you know you know serve serve me face all day, and like just about how like how to hold yourself, like turn your body here, tweak this, and it's just like a giant Rolodex of information. And it is like absolutely freaking amazing. Get down. All right, come on. Wow, that is just sounds like, like an absolute dream. Um, just, you mentioned like Poe's Legendary and Paris is Burning and stuff. Like, um, how do you feel about those? And like, do you think that they're like, um, kind of like faithful to the like communities that they represent. Paris is burning. I will say is very accurate, but I will also say like I feel like it didn't get the credit that it deserved. Because let's be real, some of the things that you would hear in Paris is burning, mind you, that came out in what early eighties. Yeah, I think it was like 1990 or I don't know. 80s, 90s time frame. And what little, what celebrity do we have now that, you know, just everything that seems to come out of her mouth just seems to be very, I've heard that before. Where did I hear that? Miss RuPaul herself. Cause I, I was, cause I was sitting there and watching. I'm like, cause when I watched, started watching Drag Race, I was like, yeah. And I'm like, and I listened to what she, some of the things she said. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then I'm just like, wait, I've heard that before. Oh, and it's just like, oh, you didn't trademark that. 
that wasn't your that wasn't you. But getting back to I said Paris is burning. I in my eyes was very accurate. Um the one thing that I really it, the one thing that I really do appreciate it, it actually like showed you like the house mothers and their roles and like them actually going into detail about what their role as a parent was. That is very accurate. The ball scene, accurate to a T. Because sometimes there's drama, someone don't like something, people get chopped, and people, it, it, it can become a whole, whole ass mess. <laughs> I say, like watching Pose, oh, that was spot on. That's spot on. Like, uh, and the one thing I really do appreciate about Pose as much as I do is they help tell some of the stories of you know some of the ballroom pioneers like when Candy died her character was actually based off a real person like how like her experiences the category that like the category she wanted like that whole thing was actually based off someone like a real person electra's character is also based off you know a queen of uh, a, a ballroom legend whose name was dorian corey like the whole scene where she actually like killed someone and left the body in a trunk in a closet is very true. Like if you go back and watch Paris is Burning and when they're interviewing Dorian, that chest that you can see, that trunk you see behind her is actually where the body was sitting. And they didn't find the body until after Dorian died. Yeah, like, that's why I said like that stuff is like oddly specific <laughs> and like very very real. And it's like I watch some of these shows and like especially like getting into like shows like Legendary, which I appreciate so much because it's bringing ballroom back to mainstream and. The one thing I also really have to say is like, because a lot of people thought like, oh, Madonna, Queen of Vogue. No, Madonna, not Queen of Vogue. That's not where it started. She took influences from the ballroom scene to, you know, essentially, yes, she helped promote and push the Vogue movement and the dance style and whatnot. And yes, we'll give her that. But people need to also remember where Vogue actually started. Back there in the streets of New York, you know, people of color, the trans community, that, that was the safe space. We like, that's what, it, that's, those are the ones who created. And, ugh. 
I'm sorry, like I'm like replaying like legendary in my head right now. Just like watching different houses go. Oh. That last when Laomi and like did the like final dance in the last episode, I cried. <laughs> and the only thing I love is like Laomi is so iconic. Mm-hmm. Like I remember her when she was on America's Best Dance Crew on MTV. Like she kills, she slay. Like she is legit the performer, the vocal performer that I want to be. <laughs> but then again, I'm also not gonna lie. I didn't recognize the host for a minute, the host of Legendary. I did not recognize him for a minute, but he was also in her dance group on America's Best Dance Group. It took me a minute to like, but. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Okay, I'm gonna ask one more question and then turn it over to Colette for any um, follow-ups that she's been like writing down this whole time. But I just wanna know, um, what is your favorite category to walk and why? Favorite category to walk. And it's, it's just because I, I want to be extra, extra, extra to like the umpteenth thousandth degree. Vogue Femme. That's like the real like performance based, the whole, whole shebang. The, that is that is my category just to be like the extra extra and don't even talk about getting into the actual battle because like because essentially okay so the one thing that they, like most shows don't show you is when you initially go to walk you're actually performing for you're actually performing to the judges by yourself and then once like whoever gets chopped, whoever gets the tens, they actually meet up at the end. So like when you see like on pose, how they're like, everyone seems to like, oh, they just walk up and battle. It's not actually like that. Mm. It's similar, but that doesn't happen until the end. And so that's when it actually becomes the battle. Because like I said, it's one of those, you have to get to the end first. You have to get to that battle portion first. Because essentially, like, you walk yourself. You walk for you, you, you vogue yourself. If you make it, then you get to, the, you know, get to the little final. And then you end up battling somebody else for that trophy. But that is the category. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's categories for everything, mind you. But that is the category that I'm just like, oh, yes, yes. I get to be extra. I get to be over the top. All for it. All for it all day. <laughs> awesome. Um, Colette, do you want to go for it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll just start off by one, just thanking you for everything you've like said so far. I think the interview's like gone great. All your answers are have been fantastic. Um, so, well, one, I was struck by kind of how similar our coming out stories were. Like, didn't really expect that. And like, the role that your guidance counselor played in it and how that kind of inspired you to want to be a guidance counselor. But then you also went on to say like how you were like teaching cheer and even 
um, the interaction you had with the young person at uh, the Westboro Baptist like protest of, do you feel like you've still in many ways been able to act as a counselor, especially like in helping people maybe come out or something? And maybe do you have any examples or like um, anything to go off of? Um, you know, thinking about it, I, over the years, I, I, I guess I, I guess I have kind of, you know, played my, my guidance counselor role, my, my, my mentor role, I guess. Um, so yeah, I can, I can say that I, I have. And now I'm just thinking about it. I'm just like, you know, you got the, got the warm and fuzzies. Because, like, my philosophy has always been, like, especially like being a drag performer, is getting on stage. And because, like, everyone goes to the show for different reasons. But I use my time as, like, therapy for myself. Cause like ever, cause like I still do like even now like I still do my 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 hardcore dance numbers and go all in, but then I still do songs that are important to me mm-hmm. and songs that you know get my feelings out and get my you know let me get my mind right and this time I'm gonna get my mind right situation and my philosophy then and even now is still. Yes. Okay, let me. <laughs> so a lot of the way a lot of us performers think is we're actually not performing for the crowd. We're performing for ourselves. And the crowd just happens to like what we're doing. But like I said, I use the stage as a form of therapy and my philosophy has always been with whatever song I choose or however I choose to make the song work for me, if I can connect with one person, just that one person, and to let them know that, you know, hey, look, you're not alone, like, hey, look, I feel what you feel, like, type situation, that for me lets me know that my job is done. Because, like, people don't, some people don't get it. And they're just like, well, no, you know, not everyone, you know, they don't, they don't get it. And I'm just like, okay. But that one person that has, that connected to the song and how I feel and how they feel and to know that they're not alone, I'm good. I can, if I can change one person's, one person's night from having, you know, hey, I'm having a shitty day to, Thank you. I, I needed that. That that like my job my job is done. Like my 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 career is set. I, I can change the I can change the feel and let somebody know that they're not alone. If I can do that for one person, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I honestly like I try to do on a like a regular basis. Cause it's like, hey, cause some people aren't the best about, you know, putting their emotions out there or you know, talking, because I used to be one of them. You couldn't get me to talk about anything. About You couldn't get me to talk about anything dealing with my emotions. But 
And now it's like, if I can help one person, or I can be that, I can be that for one person. I'm good. I'm golden. Yeah. Um, kind of related to that, like personally or like career wise, what would you consider like to be your proudest either accomplishment or moment of growth um, throughout your life? Uh, I can tell you, I can already tell you exactly what it is. So, so as we all know, like BLM has been around for a while. Like the movement has been around for a while. So, um, there's a performance that's on YouTube. And it's one of those, I, I was fed up. Like I was tired of seeing people who look like me dying for no reason. And I had planned this number. And I knew it, I knew it, cause I typically, I'm not the kind of person, I don't do political numbers. Like, because we all know politics gets ugly. Politics, you know, you can be friends one minute, enemies the next. So, like, essentially, like, I, I, I was never the person to do political numbers. But to this point, like, I, I was done. I was done. I And so I created this number and I knew some people weren't going to actually get the gist of what I was actually, like, what I was promoting. And I knew some people weren't going to like it. But I said, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I had this whole number planned out, me and another performer. And then, you know, the day of things started to go awry. Like I lost other performer who was supposed to be in my number. Um, people who were supposed to help with my number, some people couldn't make it. And so the number essentially started to fall apart. And I had already kind of teased that I was going to do something big. And so fast forwarding, we're at the bar and I wasn't even going to do the number. I had told the DJ, hey, look, just change my number. Just cut it. I can't. It's not ready. I don't have what is needed. I, I just, I thought this whole number was going to fail. But then the DJ just kind of looked at me and was like, no, this is your time. This is your message. And it's something that you need to do. I did it. It was a mixture of different clips from, you know, celebrities speaking about Black Lives Matter. It went into um, Beyonce's Freedom. And then I ended it with part of MLK Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And then the very last thing you hear from my number is a gunshot. And so like this whole performance is going on. I have signs with, you know, 
people who have, you know, people who are no longer with us. And it was this whole emotional roller coaster. And like I said, I, I, I'm on stage performing this and I'm nervous because I don't know where everyone stands with things. But like I said, you know what, this is my time. So pretty much, I am performing and then I just remember like actually like looking around, everyone is standing up, everyone is clapping. And then it sucks because like, and this was a friend of mine and we're estranged friends now, but we're still friends. But you could hear in the video, just him at the end, because like everyone is cheering because like they got what I was presenting. But then you hear my friend, and he, you hear him at the top of his lungs booing me. And, well, y'all, if y'all would stop, if y'all would act right, and if y'all would listen, and if y'all would blah, 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 and like, we're arguing on stage. And I was just like, and people were just like, and people got mad at him. And I was like, no, there's no reason to be mad at him. Don't be mad at him. He has his own beliefs. Don't get me wrong. Me and him had a nice long conversation afterwards. But, you know, and he didn't understand exactly where I was coming from because he thought I was anti-cop that, you know, and I was like, that's not what I'm getting at. That's not even remotely close to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I'm sorry, but when people who look like me are dying every day for shit that shouldn't be a cause for someone to die, for... for people who are supposed to protect and serve. And you and I just had a little like, you just don't get it. You don't get it. And then, cause me and him had to have a conversation. I was like, you don't understand how I was raised. I was raised, if you see a cop, Oh yeah, you need to be you need to be worried. You you hey. Yes sir, no sir. Hands on the wheel. Don't move too fast. I was like, you don't understand how that fucked me up as a kid. Like it's 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 normal for people to go out into the world and be like, oh well yeah, it's this, it's that. No. no. For people who look like me, it's it's a little worse. Cause as soon as you as soon as you see lights. The first thing you was like, am I going to make it home? Am I going to get, you know, pulled, if I, am I going to get drug out of a car? And part of the reason I even did that, that number was because of my own experiences with officers. I was drug out of a car, thrown to the ground, handcuffed. No one told me anything because I looked like somebody. I have been followed by a cop 
who still to this day makes no sense to me, got pulled over. Oh, well, there was a bank robbery, okay? Your vehicle matches the description, and so do you. Wrong car, wrong color, wrong gender. Yo, well, I don't know, and, and the last time I even told my friends this story, they were like, oh, were you in drag? I was like, no. But apparently I look like a black woman who robbed a bank. Again, wrong color car, wrong model car, wrong gender. Cool. But I digress. <laughs> but like I said, getting back to that number, that had to be my proudest moment. That was the moment that I say like just did it for me. That is the performance that I will always remember. That makes sense. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Even your experience with police, that's a really heavy, heavy thing to live with and deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, um, and it's and it's sad because I tell people I I I don't hate cops. And I still have and I, I, I still have to like reiterate to people. Because some people say, oh, well, you are Black Lives Matter. Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm Black Lives Matter for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. hmm. But then I'm also like, I'm not anti-cop. I'm not. Because, you know, just like in the world, there are good and bad people in wherever you go. Whatever job you have, the you know, walking down the street, there are good and bad people in, in every aspect of the world. Do I fault every cop for the actions of the ones who are, well, stupid? No. I thank the ones who are actively trying to make change. Mm -hmm. The ones who are not afraid to police each other if they see something wrong. Because that is my biggest division between the good cop and the bad cop. Because my whole thing is, if you see another officer doing wrong, say something. Do something. You can potentially save that person, save that suspect's life for dying over something that is minuscule. Mm -hmm. But then my thing is also, if you see, like if, the, if, a, if a good cop sees an officer doing something wrong and they don't say anything or do anything, are they still technically a good cop? Or do you put them under the realm of being a bad cop? Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's one of those, like, like when I have these kind of conversations, I say things like that to make people think. Because, you know, what, what makes a good cop? What makes a bad cop? You know, they didn't say anything. Are they now a bad cop? Are they still a good cop? 
the one who actually did stand up and say something, are they still, uh, they're a good cop, right? Oh, but you know, what about X, Y? And, and, and it's, those are the kind of conversations that I like to have. And those are the conversations that I like to promote. Because at the end of the day, it's like, those are, I don't know. <laughs> You're fine, calm down. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that definitely very well said. Uh, so we're coming up on the like, two hour mark. Uh, so I we just want to give you you know these last few minutes to like have the space. Um, like this oral history project is all about like getting your just your story heard. And so anything else you feel like we didn't ask or like left out that you just want to add in at the end, now's your time. It, Oh, cool. Um, the only thing that I would even have to say is there's already a lot of hate in the world and us as a people need to be kinder to one another. And I know it's like some of the things I'm about to say are things we, you know, we've been told with since we were kids. You know, hey, smile at somebody. That can change somebody's life. You know, ask someone how they're doing. That could change somebody's life. I like to end, end all the same. Like, you know, at the end of the day, just be good to people. Be good to people. Smile more. You know, live your authentic truth. Be you, be happy. Because at the end of the day, can't nobody be you but you. Okay. And if they try to be you, Imitation is the biggest form of flattery. That one. Ain't that right, Carmen? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it. Just be good to people. Stand up for others. Fight for people who need fight for people who need help. Okay. Yeah. Well, just to wrap up. Just thank you so much for all of your answers and being so open with us and letting us, you know, really dive into your personal life a little bit. I'm just gonna no problem. Well, thank you guys for actually doing this. Well, I'm sorry. Thank y'all for doing this. <laughs> I'm really excited to see how all this is going to come out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, seriously, thank you so much. This was like eye-opening and you're just like inspiring and so cool and fun. Um, yeah, this is just a truly, like, dream come true. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we end, um, just a reminder that we still need your signed thing. <laughs> so yeah, about to my out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I does not seem to like me. <laughs> and then... Um, whenever they get like posted, um, we'll send you a link and then cause, um, yeah, so we're doing this like for our class and then there are a bunch of other like oral histories being done as part of the Colorado Springs oral history, like LGBTQ plus project. So, okay. Yeah. Sounds I good. I just have one question about like your last performance you were talking about. You said that was on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna definitely look that up. I really want to watch it now. Um, yeah, I will. Well, I can go on and find it, and then 
I can send you guys uh, send y'all the link. Uh, yeah. I love that would that. be amazing. Thank you. No problem. Alrighty.